Hello, my dear listeners. You found your way to Counter Melody, and I couldn't be more delighted to welcome you to my podcast. Once again, and as always, I'm your host, Daniel Gundlach, and I'm here to present to you the finest exponents, both renowned and less well-known, of the art of song. Sometimes it just seems as if the world has turned completely upside down, but it is my fervent hope, even in these difficult times, that the artists I present here may brighten our path with their luminous voices and inspire us on our search toward a better and more hopeful future. And now, this week's episode. Well, hello there, my dear listeners. Do you have any idea what that was that you just heard? Perhaps in listening you thought it was a newly discovered work by George Gershwin or Leonard Bernstein. But you would be wrong because this is the overture to an East German musical entitled In Frisco ist der Teufel los, The Devil is Loose in Frisco. And it is one of the many works that we're going to discuss today. I say we because I'm once again joined by my friend, roommate, cohort, (laughs) David Savran, who has just released his new book, and here he is to tell us all about it. Welcome, David. Thank you so much, Daniel. Yeah, my new book is titled Tell It to the World, the Broadway Musical Abroad, about musical theater in South Korea and Germany. And today is Germany's turn. Right. Just recently, we uh, posted the first of this two-part series where we talked about the music of South Korea. And today, as David says, this will be about the music and musicals of Germany. Yes. Now, there's no way I can provide a comprehensive history. So we will just give you a very selected and prejudicial history today. Let me preface this by saying that in Korean music theater, the primary debates and dialogues seem to be about the relationship between Western musical traditions and Korean heritage performance. In Germany, on the other hand, the primary dialogues are really about high and low, elite versus popular culture, serious music versus entertainment music. And this is something that is actually codified in German copyright law. Yes. So this is very much a part of the way that things are organized, compartmentalized, discussed, funded in Germany. Yes. We want to start by playing an excerpt from Kiss Me Kate which was the first musical to open the door to Broadway musicals in Germany. This was in 1955 in Frankfurt. One thing to bear in mind here is that musicals didn't really come to Germany till after World War II, since during the Nazi period, they were not importing U.S. or U.K. shows. 
So Kiss Me Kate, 1955, The Big Bang. The Big Bang referring to the entry of musicals, of U.S. musicals into uh, the German cultural awareness. This is a later performance by a really wonderful singer named Olive Moorefield. Dan, do you want to say a little about her? Well, I would like to say a little bit about her. She is a fascinating singer. I featured her a couple times on the podcast before. She is an African-American singer who came to Germany in the late 50s and was immediately taken up in films where she would make cameo appearances singing exoticized numbers, anything from Hawaiian to Spanish. From there, she also moved to the stage of the Wiener Volksoper, where she appeared as Ruth in the original German-language production of Bernstein's Wonderful Town. Now, what was exceptional about this at the time, and what is still exceptional, is that she was a black artist up there, matter-of-factly, playing alongside her white fellow artists. No discussion of her race. It was simply a given. What we would now these days call colorblind casting, long before that term even hit the public awareness. She also did a couple appearances at the Volksoper, right, in Kiss Me Kate. As both Bianca and then later as Lily. And this recording is from the year 1966. Olive Moorfield singing So in Love in German. I'd like to play you an excerpt from a German operetta from the 1930s. Wait, or is it a musical? You know, that's the thing about this piece, is it is discussed both as an operetta as a musical. uh, Divide. Yes. In any case, it's the last operetta that is really part of the musical theater canon, and indeed, it's one of the most popular ones here, called Im Weissen Rössel, or The White Horse Inn. That's what it's title was when it appeared on Broadway in 1936. It opened in Berlin in 1930, however, directed by Eric Charel, who sold it as a package deal. So he basically directed replica productions of this all over the world, finally in 1936 landing on Broadway. <laughs> 
This performance is by Max Hansen. Who, who was in the original cast. Yes, yes? he was. Mm-hmm. And this is one of his songs. Uh, he played the head waiter, who's the male lead. He was a major operetta star of this period. He also happened to be gay and Jewish, which meant that he basically had to, in order to survive, emigrate from Germany, which he did in 1938 to Copenhagen. I just want to add that this is an arrangement for dance orchestra, very much the way that popular music was foregrounded in these days. There's His vocal quality is really fascinating to those who are not used to hearing this kind of a voice. It's a very nasal production, but he's also a very skillful singer. This is Es muss was Wunderbares sein, and the recording is from 1930. In meinem Tagebuch, gleich auf der ersten Seite steht. Es muss was Wunderbares sein, von dir geliebt zu werden, denn meine Liebe ist dein, solange ich lebe werden. Ich kann nicht Schöneres mir denken, als dir mein Herz zu schenken. Wenn du mir deins dafür gibst und mir sagst, dass auch du mich Next selection is the English language version of the same song from a 1936 radio broadcast with the original cast of White Horse Inn, William Gaxton, and Kitty Carlisle. The English lyrics happen to have been penned by Irving Caesar, who was also the lyricist of Tea for Two. And this is a radio recording that was first broadcast on the RCA Magic Key program in October 1936. And it's fun, I think, for those of us who were around in the 60s and saw and heard Kitty Carlisle on To Tell the Truth to experience her as also an operetta and musicals performer. I cannot live without your love Though I'm not worthy of you I'm reaching for the skies above Yet it's true, I dare to love you I cannot live and still forget you I bless the day I met you And now I pray you can see You can be life itself to me I cannot live without 
another great operetta performer that we're going to hear right now. Yes, David? She was one of the biggest stars. Yes, Fritzi Massari, who actually was born in 1882. So by the 20s and 30s, she really had been around. And in fact, it was the 20s and 30s that really made her a household name. But because, like Hansen, she was Jewish, she ended up having to emigrate to Hollywood, where she lived out the rest of her life. Now, this is a selection from an Oscar Strauss operetta from 1932, Eine Frau, die weiß, was sie A woman who knows what she wants. And the piece is called Warum soll eine Frau kein Verhältnis haben? Which translates as... Why shouldn't a woman have a dalliance? And this piece, Eine Frau, die weiß, was sie will, is one that received an idiosyncratic production here at the Komische Oper in Berlin, where it starred only two people, Dagmar Manzel and Max Hopp. And we will encounter Dagmar Manzel a little bit later in the program. But this is Fritzi Massari, the one, the only. Kennen Sie Frau Y? Schöne, schlanke, blonde, wissen Sie, was man da sagt? Sie hat einen Mann, sie hat einen Freund und einen Onkel, der es sehr gut mit ihr meint. Dann hat sie einen Löwenjäger und auch einen Jasmine-Neger. Donnerwetter, der Konsum. Man sagt ihr nach, man fragt warum. Sie ist auch außerdem ein bisschen andersrum. <lacht> Warum soll eine Frau kein Verhältnis haben, kein Verhältnis haben, kein Verhältnis haben? Ist sie hübsch, wird man sagen, die muss doch eins haben, die muss doch eins haben, es wäre zu dumm. Tja, und wenn man schon so redet und sie hat kein schon viel besser gleich. Sie hat eins. Warum soll eine Frau kein Verhältnis haben? Können Sie mir sagen, warum? Man lacht diskret, <lacht> maliziös. Und so entsteht die ganze Chronik skandalös. David was talking a few minutes ago about the Big Bang vis-a-vis Kiss Me Kate. The next work that we're going to hear is really the center of the Big Bang in the way that American musicals were introduced to Germany. What might this piece be? Yes, My Fair Lady, which came to West Berlin in 1961. It was hailed as a theatrical miracle and was hugely successful. And in fact, interestingly, remains the most popular of the American musicals on the German stage. 
One thing that's really important about this is this opened in West Berlin in October 1961. In other words, two months after the Berlin Wall went up. And as you can imagine, Berlin right after the wall went up, was not exactly a delightful travel destination for most people. So in fact, what the producers did is they offered a package deal to West Germans that they could fly to Berlin, see the show, have dinner, and have a nice hotel room. The show ran for years and in some ways really helped revive West Berlin. This was one of the first big productions at the Theater des Westens, which remains to this day one of the major venues for musicals in Germany. Right. And in 1961, it was about a mile from the Berlin Wall. In other words, from a no man's land where there were East German guards with machine guns with orders shoot to kill. What's interesting about the way that My Fair Lady was translated into German is that Eliza Doolittle, instead of speaking with a Cockney accent, speaks and sings in Berlin dialect. And I think this had a lot to do with the piece's success here. So she sings Wouldn't It Be Loverly in German translation or Berliner translation, Wäre det nicht wunderschön? We hear in the role of Eliza, the musical theater performer Karin Hübner, and the orchestra of the Theater des Festens is conducted by Franz Allers, who had a dual presence both in Germany and in the U.S., where he conducted many different productions of musicals. Oh! 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 Mensch, fast ein Pfund! Wo sollst du dies ja hin, in Eliza? Biarritz? Nur ein Zimmerchen irgendwo, mitten im Sofa drin, sowieso. Und Jaspelleuchtung, oh, oh, wäre das nicht wunderschön. Pralines, aber ich leich an Jo, Koks in Ofen, ja, Lichterlo. Und warme Beine, oh, oh, day, there are a number of U.S. musicals that are central to the standard repertoire here in Germany. In state-subsidized theaters. Yes, exactly. The two that we've heard so far, Kiss Me Kate and My Fair Lady, are two of them. And a few others are Cabaret, Hair, La Cage aux Folles, and also West Side Story, which had its German-language premiere at the Wiener Volksoper in 1968. 
Previously, I think there had been a U.S. tour of West Side Story in English, where it was very it was poorly panned. reviewed and received. Yes, people yeah. hated it. But when it was produced in 68 in German, it was a runaway success, and it has been from then on to this day. I would like to point out that there is a great prejudice against musicals on the part of German intellectuals and academics. And I'm thinking specifically of theater scholars, musicologists, and many others who consider musicals to be second or third rate stuff barely even art. But so I think this has something to do too, David, with those designations that we were talking about, the distinctions yes. made, the codified distinctions made between entertainment music and serious music. That is borne out in these attitudes. Yes, so much so that when Barry Kosky directed his brilliant West Side Story at the Komische Oper in 2011, about which I write, my academic friends here refused to go see it. I mean, they were shocked, actually, that I would be writing about such junk. <laughs> but we're going to hear two magnificent examples of such junk as it was heard in the original German language production in Vienna. Who are we hearing? Maria is Julia McGuinness, who went on to have a really significant career in opera and operetta. And the tenor is Adolf Della Pozza, who's a Swiss tenor who also had a big career in operetta and opera. What you'll hear is a kind of sumptuous beauty that is really unique and I think undermines the difference between musicals and operetta. In other words, it questions the difference. What is this? Is this an opera? Is it an is, operetta? Is it, a, is, it a, is it a musical? Now, we're first going to hear the German language version of Something's Coming. What I like about this is that you hear Dalla Pozza's dexterity with the German language. This is a mouthful of words to pronounce, especially in those opening lines. And then his voice crests beautifully into those long extended lines as well. It's almost an ideal performance, but in the German language. Is das Hauch, is das Duft, eine Brise, die mich ruft, kann ich es sehen? Etwas kommt, ich weiß es nicht, was es ist, doch es ist wunderbar schön. Ist ein Schritt auf dem Gang, eine Glocke, die da klang, oh, es ist Zeit. Ich streck meine Hände aus und nach den Mund, pack den Mund, hier ist nicht weit. Phantom der Träume dreht ein in meine Räume, hat Mut und öffne die Tür. Vielleicht kommt's als ein Ton läutet schon das Telefon. Ich bin bereit. Komm, Phantom, reich mir die Hand, setz dich hier, sprich zu mir, sei doch gescheit. Was dran verloren, die Fantasie geboren. Kurios, das ist nicht weit, ist kein Traum, tritt vielleicht in den Raum schon heute Nacht. 
Now we're going to hear the very end of the balcony scene. In German translation, it's Heute Nacht. We hear just the dialogue and the closing reprise of the main theme. Everybody knows this scene practically by memory. And so when these two singers and actors are speaking in German, I, at least when I'm listening, I hear that dialogue playing out in my head in English. And I find it enormously moving. And then at the end, when they go up to that high note, I just, oh my goodness. It gives me goosebumps and practically brings me to tears. Ich kann nicht bleiben. Geh schnell. Ich hab keine Angst. Sie sind streng mit mir. Bitte. Gute Nacht. Buenas noches. Ich hab dich lieb. Ja, ja. Geh schnell. Halt! Wann sehe ich dich? Morgen. Ich arbeite im Geschäft für Brautkleider. Komm hin. Bei Sonnenuntergang. Ja. Gute Nacht. Gute Nacht. Tony? Komm durch die Hintertür. Sie? Tony? Was bedeutet das, Tony? Anton? Te adoro, Anton. Te adoro, Maria. Good night, good night. Schlaf wohl, und wenn du träumst, träum von mir. spoke earlier about My Fair Lady and its enormous success. So on the other side of the Berlin Wall, producers were looking with uh, a little bit of jealousy. Yes, we're looking greedily at the success of American musicals in the West, which were virtually impossible to perform in East Germany, in part because of a shortage of the hard currency required to pay royalties. So, in fact, East Germany ended up producing a huge number of rather significant musicals, or rather, musicals that are sort of like operettas, or operettas that are sort of like musicals. The most famous and the most widely performed is called Mein Freund Bunbury. My Uh, friend... Excuse me. Mein Freund Bunbury. Is how the Germans would pronounce it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, which is based very, very loosely on the importance of being earnest, and which actually has a wonderful score by Gerd Naczynski. I would say he was the leading musicals composer in East Germany. Yes, and although the title references My Fair Lady, or could reference My Fair Lady, in fact, it seems to me that the score really reminds me of the work of Jerry Herman, uh, particularly Hello, Dolly, 
that opened in 1964, about six months before mein Freund Bunbury. About Bunbury, you were telling me about the sheer number of productions that this work had. By 1994, there had been 152 different productions in both East and West Germany. One thing to bear in mind is that East Germany had the highest concentration of theaters in the world. Basically, 64 subsidized theaters for 17 million people. And so this would have been produced in one of the subsidized theaters in, in many Germany. of them. We are going to hear the title song, Mein Freund Bunbury. We're going to hear an excerpt from a 1972 recording that features some members of the original cast, including Horst Schulze, who appeared in a number of Naczynski's different musicals. And alongside him, we hear the East German tenor Eberhard Büchner, and Gerd Naczynski himself conducts. top of the episode, we heard the overture to that fascinating piece in Frisco is der Teufel los. In this case, the composer is Guido Mazanetz. What can you tell us about Mazanetz and about this piece? He was uh, the second most popular composer of these uh, mixed genre pieces. This particular piece is, like Bunbury, a representation of Western decadence. In this case, taking place in San Francisco in the, what, 60s. The piece is about a virtuous, generous young seaman and his girlfriend. <laughs> he wants to establish a home for sailors, but in order to do so, he has to reclaim a debt that is owed to the evil capitalist villainous. Shonga Miller, who owns a bar in San Francisco. One thing about these East German musicals is that virtually all of what makes them wonderful is the Western decadence that is portrayed either in early 20th century London or in 1950s, 1960s San Francisco. So, in fact, all the while that they're condemning capitalism, they are luring spectators with... Well, they're propping up sort of the trappings of capitalism at the same time that they are uh, decrying it. Yes. Please say a word, David, about this extraordinary performer. We're going to hear singing this song, Schaut mich einer an, Gisela Mai. Hey, look me over. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, um, basically. Yes. Gisela May was a really important East German star. She was probably known most for her work with the Berliner Ensemble, taking over a number of Helena Weigel's roles, including Mother Courage. She was also the original Dolly in the West German production of Hello, Dolly. She's a great singer and brings a certain Brecht violin tang to yes, this song. Yes, as she is known today still, I think the world round, but especially in Germany for her performances of Brecht and Weil and Hans Eisler. The recording itself is from 1971, about 10 years after the piece was first produced. Wenn der Mann erfährt in ihrer Kammer, dass sie ihn begehrt, beginnt der Jammer, den Wald lässt ihn das Abenteuer kalt. Darum fängt man mich nicht mehr mit Schwüren. Warum soll nicht ich den Mann verführen und ihn küssen mitten auf den Mund? Der Mann, den wir uns erhoffen, Gibt's ihn nur im Traum, ihm stünde der Himmel offen und wir widerstünden kaum. In the 1960s, 1970s, German musical theater changed hugely in part because of the impact of rock and roll. When I was putting together the book, just as in Korea, it was the discovery of fusion gugak that really opened my eyes and ears to so much fascinating work. In Germany, it was when I discovered Krautrock which was a rock and roll form from the late 1960s, 1970s, primarily extremely eclectic, combining Rolling Stones-inspired rhythm and blues, psychedelic music, electronic music. One thing we should note here is that uh, probably the most famous bands that uh, represent Krautrock outside of Germany are groups like Tangerine Dream, and Kraftwerk, but they are not necessarily the best or the most interesting. We're going to hear a couple examples, however, from a fascinating group called Tonsteinischerben. Which is difficult to translate because tone means both clay and sound. So it's sort of clay, sound, stone, shards. Yes, shards of sound or of clay. Right. This group was led by a singer named Rio Reiser, who was also a composer. He went out on his own in the 1980s and had a major solo career. He was the first German pop star to come out as gay. He remained popular, however, 
but unfortunately died in 1996. This song is from a 1972 album of theirs. It's a kind of utopian rock anthem, very much influenced by the Rolling Stones, sort of a let it bleed period. And it's called Schritt für Schritt ins Paradies, Step by Step to Paradise. Mich singen, aber du kennst mich nicht. Du weißt nicht, für wen ich singe, aber ich sing für dich. Wer wird die neue Welt bauen, wenn nicht du und ich? Und wenn du mich jetzt verstehen willst, dann verstehst du mich. Another example of Tonscheine uh, God, that's hard to say. Scherben. Steine. Steine. Tonsteine Scherben. David, what can you tell us about well, this piece? Well, one thing about the Scherben is that they also did a lot of theater. They had a street theater company. And in 1973, they did the kind of children's audio book. For children who are for, for children, it's called stoners. <laughs> yeah, it's called Herr Fressack und die Bremer Stadtmusikanten. We know the Bremer Stadtmusikanten; those are the Bremen town musicians, as yes. they're called in English. This piece is sort of grim fairy tales meets Scheherazade meets Animal Farm. It's about a bunch of animals who are enslaved by this evil farmer, Herr, Herr Fressack. Fressack. <laughs> which means feeding bag. feed bag yeah it has a very complicated plot it's a wonderful recording and and you can hear that virtually all of the dialogue is improvised and there are all these people around first of all they were very involved in leftist politics in West Berlin at the time, which included the squatters movement. They were squatting for a number of years in a house about a kilometer from where we are right now in our apartment. And they just recruited their neighbors and friends and the kids in the neighborhood. And I think all smoked, got stoned and, and smoked a lot the... of weed yeah. and turned the tape recorder on. What we're going to play you is sort of the final anthem the triumph of the animals, which is a somewhat equivocal triumph. The title of the song is Ich will nicht das arme Schwein sein. And David has an English translation. I don't want to be that blind chicken anymore. I don't want to be that poor pig anymore. I don't want to be that stupid dog anymore. I don't want to be that old donkey anymore. And they say, you're going to get it, Herr Fressack. It's victory, and yet it's victory veiled with mm. a not-so-subtle threat as well to the capitalists, to oh, the oppressors. Yes. Dummen 
and music also infused the world of the musical itself. The most popular West German musical of this period is called Linie 1, or Subway Line Number 1. And this opened in 1986 at a kind of hippie-ish children's leftist experimental theater in Berlin and is still running. David just saw a revival, actually a new production. Well, an, a, yeah. revi- a, a revisal, a revisal of the original. <laughs> At the original gl- theater, the Goethe yes. Theater here yes. in Berlin. Yeah. And it was absolutely glorious. It's about a, a young woman who comes to West Berlin, and she's pregnant and looking for the father of her child. And she spends the day riding back and forth on the subway and meets lots of people. And it's a musical that's filled with a lot of very very colorful types, the squatters, the hippies, the drunks, the Nazi, the Nazi widows, the Nazi widows portrayed in drag, I believe. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. An amazing scene and horrors and you name it. The normal people that you would bump into on the subway. Here. Now, one thing that's especially important about this piece is that this also has been translated and produced all over the world in about 20 different countries. The most popular production ever was in Seoul, South Korea, opening in 1996 and played for about 14 years. And it's this, if nothing else, shows how the musical can be adapted and appropriated and transformed and localized. Right, and we, we saw that in the 1930s with White Horse Inn or Im Weißen Rüssel. And this is a, a more contemporary version of that sort of transformation. Now, at the end of this picaresque journey, the heroine encounters the father of the child, but decides that maybe she'd be better off with somebody else yeah, who's the more gu- appealing. Yeah, yeah, the guy she met on the subway a few hours earlier. Now, the piece is called Mut zum Träumen, and David has a translation yeah, this, this is too. this is right near the end of the piece. This is an ensemble number that is set on the subway car, and it's such a traditional Broadway-style finale about making community and about hope. The lyric but, goes... But it also, it also has very much of the rock anthem to 
to it yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lyricus have courage, dare imagine, that your spirit's aflame. Dare imagine you can break free from all shame. Dare imagine, or they'll kick till we fall. Dare imagine, or there's no love at all. We came to the with experimental theater. The first director is Robert Wilson, who of course is one of the most important American directors of the post-war period, incredibly innovative and skillful director who has worked all over the world. In Hamburg, in 1990, he directed a piece called The Black Rider, which was a collaboration with William Burroughs and Tom Waits. Wait, William Burroughs? You mean Naked Lunch? Yes, he wrote the book. Unbelievable. So this is all these figures from what we call that sort of experimental. This was the avant-garde elite. The piece is The Black Rider. It's based very, very loosely on the opera Der Freischutz about a marksman who makes a pact with the devil. But Freischutz has a happy ending in which the... Well, it's mar- a deus ex machina yeah, but still, ending at least. But, yeah. but yes, the heroine does not die. Right. <laughs> but, in, but in this, she does. So here, Agate bites the dust. <laughs> yeah, I saw this first in 1993 when it came to BAM. I loved it. At the end of it, I turned to my theater companion and I said, wait, this is a musical. Why isn't it on Broadway? Were they marketing it as a musical? No, they that? were marketing it as a, as a piece sort of, of avant-garde theater. Yeah. It is, but it's also a musical. Right. I think the next few works that we're going to talk about, in fact, straddle that particular line right. between avant-garde theater and musicals. Now, where does this particular recording of the title tune derive from, David? This is a demo that Tom Waits made. I mean, he also did a commercial recording, but I like his version of the title song in the demo that he does with a fake German accent. And it's a tart Kurt Violin number. A wonderful song and it's a wonderful show. And this is the only piece that we're going to hear sung in English today, albeit with that quasi-German accent that Tom Waits adopts. Come on along with the black rider We'll have a girl's Lay down in the web of the black Like 
Now I want to introduce you to one of the great directors of our time, whose name is Herbert Fritsch, who in fact started in the 1980s and 90s and early 2000s as a lead actor at one of the most elite avant-gardist theaters in Berlin, the Volksbühne, working with Frank Kostorf. He then went out on his own as a director around 2010 and almost immediately became the leading director of farce. And his farce is uniquely brilliant and eclectic, drawing from Charlie Chaplin and Monty Python and Samuel Beckett, and especially Dada and the Vienna Actionists, a fascinating and gorgeous mixture of all of these different things. Right. And he often works with the same production team who includes amazing stage sets, glorious, that he exaggerated costumes. It's really something to see. And David has done quite a bit to bring Herbert Fritsch to the awareness of the English-speaking theater public. The first selection is from 2014 piece that he did, which was a 75th anniversary production of a musical called Der Schwarze Hecht, The Black Pike by Paul Burkhardt, who was a Swiss composer. I think this piece, when it was originally done, was done in Swiss dialect, right? In Swiss dialect, right? yes. And then it had later manifestations, correct? Yes, it, it didn't really become a hit until 1950, when it was done in Munich, directed by Eric Scherrell again, and adapted, and called Fireworks, Feuerwerk. And a film as well was made of it. You may not think that you know anything about Der Schatze Hecht or Feuerwerk, but you certainly know the song Oh My Papa, as was made famous in the U.S. by Eddie Fisher in a 1954 recording. And that, in fact, is the big hit from Der Schwarze Hecht as Oh Mein Papa. Yes, and we're going to play that. What this is about is a Swiss industrialist who is having a big birthday party and invites all of his friends and family. In the original, it's his 60th birthday, but Fritsch changed this to his 101st birthday, which obviously introduces a whole new set of complications. In any case, the party is crashed by the surprise arrival of his long-lost brother, Obolsky, who has run off and not only joined a circus, but become the manager and owner of a celebrated circus. And he appears with his exotic Eastern European wife named Iduna. And the entire troupe descends upon this birthday party and causes rather a lot of chaos, don't they? Yes, and Iduna sings Oh My Papa to explain who her father was. And he was a famous clown and a, a great he, artist. A beautiful yes. clown and a great artist. A little bit like Herbert Fritsch. 
Yes, indeed. So tell us about who is performing this song, because she's a particular favorite of both of ours. Yes, and this is Ruth Rosenfeld, who's an American-born soprano and actor who has been living in Germany now for at least 25 years. And she's um, very much central to Herbert Fritsch's troupe of actors. And yes. He often uses the same performers. Yes. And she's a fabulous, legitimate soprano, in addition to being an incredible farceur. She has perhaps the most active face that I've ever seen. That's another thing of Fritsch's direction of farce. The actors really go out on a limb to present the most ridiculous sets of circumstances. So this is Ruth Rosenfeld singing Oh Mein Papa, which has a beautiful verse in the original version in which she describes her father. We hear the entire troupe joining in with her, and they also have reactions to certain vocal effects in the song itself. This was a live production from the Schauspielhaus in Zürich, yes, in the year... 2014. 2014. <laughs> Now, we're going to stay with the Schauspielhaus in Zürich. They've done a number of productions of Herbert Fritsch. Two years later, Fritsch conceived and directed and designed a rather unusual jukebox musical. Based on the most <laughs> idiosyncratic material you will ever encounter because yes. it's the leader of the great Austrian composer Hugo Wolf, who one hardly thinks of as composing music that is uh, appropriate for musicals. And the title of this is Wer hat Angst vor Hugo Wolf? Who's afraid of Hugo Wolf? 
which obviously, of course, references Edward Albee's Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, but it also references Barnett Newman's cycle of four paintings, Who's Afraid of Red, Yellow, and Blue? And indeed, the set for this is made up of rotating lacquered slabs of red, yellow, and blue. This uh, is one of Hugo Wolf's settings of the poems of Eduard Mörike. It's called Erstes Liebeslied eines Mädchens, the first love song of a young girl. And it's certainly Wolf's most pornographic song in which a young girl is talking about how she's going fishing and she's has, caught something she's in her caught, net. Yes, she's caught something and it's a sweet eel, a snake that slithers to my breast and then plunges down to my heart and she fears that this will be the death of her. What's interesting about this is they sing the song more or less as it's written, but it's put in the context of a 60s Burt Bacharach number. Yeah. And it's done as a duet between Ruth Rosenfeld and her fellow Fritschian, Carl Schuler. Yes. And it's usually done as a sort of breathless narrative. Yes, it's a very and, fast song. They yes. slow it down and yes. it's sort of sultry. Yes. Oh my God. And one thing that is so wonderful about both of these performances, you really hear the actors' characterizations as central to yeah. their vocal performance. Yeah. You really get a sense of what this looked like and what it felt like. Oh, 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 oh,
In the last chapter of the book, I turn primarily to the work of the director Barry Kosky, who was the artistic director at the Komische Oper Berlin between 2012 and 2022. First of all, he's an Australian gay Jew. Right. Very much an outsider. A self-declared outsider. Yes, he does primarily opera, but he also loves musicals and has done some of the greatest productions of canonical musicals that I've ever seen. In fact, it was his Kiss Me Kate in 2008 that just overwhelmed me. I thought, oh my God, I can't believe what he's done, that he's turned all of Shakespeare's Italians into gay cowboys. Yeah, it's basically what he does. And I was just so overwhelmed by the scale, both physically but conceptually, of this production that I just wanted all of my musical theater friends to drop what they were doing, fly to Berlin, and come see this. I just want to note that Barry Kosky's kick lines, sometimes there's a woman or two in it, but basically it's guys done up in full drag and very, very gay. It's one of the trademarks of Kosky's productions of operettas and musicals. And we want to play you an excerpt from I Hate Men, as sung by Dagmar Manzel, who was born in East Berlin and is one of the great singing actresses of our time and has been especially celebrated the past 20, 25 years, has done a lot of work with Kosky. Both um, in musicals and operettas. She's also yes. done some amazing revivals of some of the great operettas. So here is her bloß kein Mann, which means basically absolutely no man. And I think you can see what she's doing from listening to her sing. Bloß kein Mann Mit Männern fang ich mir niemals was an Statt einen Mann zu heiraten, da werd ich lieber Nonne. Ein Ehemann schafft dir nur Verdruss, aus Frust wirst du zur Tonne. Es sagt ein der Verstand, das Eheband ist keine Wonne. Drum bloß kein Mann. Der Mann, das ist ein Fehlkonstrukt, ne Drohne auf zwei Beinen. In jeder Frau, die Mami sucht, um sich dann auszuweinen. Von Kopf bis Fuß behaart sind sie. Ja, Schwestern, wollt ihr Lassie? Ne bloß kein Mann. Fang ich mir nichts an. 
Geheirat einen älteren Mann in deinem Optimismus. Er bleibt zwar brav bei dir zu Haus und Spaß mit Kritizismus. Er liebt dich, ha, die Ärzte nennen simpel Rheumatismus. Nee, bloß kein Mann. Von Anfang an sag ich der Mann, als Mann ist recht entbehrlich. Drum seid nicht blind, denn Männer sind für Frauen echt gefährlich. Doch ohne Mann, so dann und wann, was täten wir? Also jetzt mal ganz ehrlich, ja? Ich? Nee, du! Nee, bloß kein Mann! This is one of a number of works by Berikowski that I analyze in the last chapter of my There book. There are a number of his works, and this, I think, is one of the earlier ones. What are the other works you talk about? Fiddler on the Roof or Anatevka. As Fiddler on the Roof is titled in German. West Side Story and Candide. The one production of Candide I've seen that actually really makes sense of the piece. Right, as well as two Kurt Weill pieces. Yes. Yes, and Kurt Weill is uh, another composer who's really important to me in this book. I mean, he and Bernstein are the two that really straddle the line between popular and classical. I don't have any recordings of Kosky's Kurt Weill productions. But a number of Weill's Broadway work has more recently been revived in Germany. There's always been this <clears throat> theoretical divide between Weill's interesting, fascinating German work and his supposedly trashy commercial work for Broadway after he emigrated to the U.S. And this is totally fraudulent. Absolutely. But it's still believed by many people. But there have been recent revivals of a number of Kurt Weill's Broadway musicals, including Lady in the Dark, Street Scene, One Touch of Venus, which is called Ein Hauch von Venus. And Love Life. And Love Life as well. Yes, oh my <coughs> God, we saw that amazing production in Freiburg. Yes. And this is a work that still has not received its proper due in the U.S. One of those Broadway works of Court Files that seems to have really captured the German imagination is Lady in the Dark, which I think you've seen in a number of different productions. Yes, you? yes. And it happens to be my favorite among the Broadway works. We went to see a wonderful production of it at the Volksoper in Vienna in January 2022. Yeah, it was January 2022. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Height of COVID. <laughs> yes. Directed by Matthias Davids, who is one of the leading and one of the best directors of musicals in Germany. This was conducted by James Holmes, who is certainly the best conductor around of Weill's American musicals. And Julia Kochi, a member of the ensemble, played the part of Liza. And her My Ship is so beautiful, and I really was transported by it. As we were just listening again to her recording, I remarked to David how much it sounds as if the recollection of this long-repressed song is impinging itself on her consciousness. She's opened up her heart, and the words are reappearing unconsciously yeah. on her tongue. Yeah. Quite let's, beautiful. Let's hear it. Mein Schiff hat Truhen von Gold an Bord, brillanten Elfenbahn. 
The next to last selection is from Kurt Weill's Der Silbersee, Silver Lake, his last German piece of music theater. The last of his musical theater works that was produced in Germany. Der Silbersee is a fascinating work. We've seen a number of different productions of it, including one that David is going to describe for us now. Yes, it's one of Kurt Weill's darkest works. It has a book and lyrics by Georg Kaiser. It takes place in the first years of the Depression when everybody, or virtually everybody, is terribly indigent, terribly in need. It's about a policeman who accidentally, or not accidentally, shoots this guy who is stealing a pineapple, and he ends up then... I think he wins the lottery. He wins the lottery, And then with the money that he gains, he feels guilty about what has happened to the man that he wounded. And he befriends him and takes him in. So we saw a production of this work in Antwerp, directed by the German director Erzan Montag. Yes, and this was, for me, such a revelation. I never imagined that the work could be done in this way. Montag is a fascinating young director. I would call him a maximalist. Der Silbersee really takes maximalism to the max. And there's a wonderful photo of the second act in the book. As I was watching this production, I knew that this was the ending to the book. And we want to play you one song from that production, which is Caesar's Tod, the ballad of Caesar's death, which is a kind of warning against oppression and specifically fascism. It's performed here by the character Fenimore, who in this production was sung by the soprano Hanne Roos. And this, again, is live from Antwerp in October 2021. Okay, what is she gonna play for us? Caesar's talk. Oh, she's there! I thought we had to do it with this! <gasps> Heimlich trafen, nachts sich die Verschwöre. 
und beredeten voll Eifersicht. Und genau am Tag dem Netzes Frieden stach ihm Brutus den verdienten Stich. Cäsar sang von seinem Witz und Stieter, seine Mörder an, als ob's nicht war. Hör du Brote, rief er auf Lateinisch, wie es dort die andere Sprache war. Lasse keiner sich Verwandte führen, dass er mehr als jeder andere geht. Cäsar wollte mit dem Schwert regieren und ein Messer hat er selbst gefühlt. Cäsar wollte mit dem Schwert regieren und ein Messer hat er selbst gefühlt. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I'm so pleased that David made time to come on the podcast and speak about the second portion of his book as well. I so thank you for this. It's worth your while to pick up a copy published by Oxford University Press. And also, just a reminder that there are almost 250 other episodes of my podcast out there. This topic is a little out of the ordinary. Normally, I devote myself more to opera and classical singing, but this is also a field of music so worth diving into and exploring further. With that in mind, we bring you to the final number on today's program. We turn again to that central canon of U.S. musicals that have become part of the German standard rep. One person who has been incredibly important to me in writing this book is Kevin Clark, who lives here in Berlin and who is German. I met him probably about 10, 12 years ago, and he is an operetta scholar and journalist, and he really has introduced me to operetta. I had no idea what operetta really was until meeting Kevin. Yes, he's been a fantastic tutor, and recently, I believe last year, he put out the first study in the German language of LGBTQ musicals, and it's called Breaking Free. In, I think it was summer 2022, I went with Kevin to interview Reiner Lohn, who was a big East German musical theater star. It was so wonderful to meet him, and he was so kind and so generous and explained so much of what was happening in musical theater in East Germany. Not only was he suspicious because he did musical theater, but he was even more suspicious because he was a gay man. He was the first East German to play the part of Zaza in La Cage aux Folles in West Germany. He played it in Hamburg. In Hamburg in 1986. Before we left, Reinar gave us each a CD that he had recorded in 1998 called Ungewöhnlich, Unusual. And And that is one of the words used in this version of I Am What I Am. Yeah, this is... Ich bin was ich bin. This is the first song on that CD. I've never heard a performance of this song that has the passion and the urgency of this. There's a sad ending to all of this in that recently, within the past year, Raina Lun died. Died. Yeah. I think it's completely appropriate to offer this last number 
in his memory. Yes, as a remembrance and as a celebration of what he achieved. And a celebration in general of the Broadway musical and the Broadway style musical and indigenous musical theater in Germany. Ich bin was ich bin und was ich bin ist ungewöhnlich. Komm, schau mich nur an, akzeptiert dann mich ganz persönlich. Ich lebe und ich will mich nicht dafür sinnieren. Lebe und will keinen Augenblick verlieren. Es hat keinen Sinn, ehe man nicht sagt, hey, Welt, ich bin was. Ich bin, ich bin, was ich bin. Ich will kein Lob, ich will kein Mitleid. Ich lebe für mich. Ich bin kein Snob, will meine Freiheit. Wen stört es, dass ich Federn liebe? Glanz und Glitter, ich mag so, sonst wäre mein Leben trüb und bitter. Es hat keinen Sinn, wenn man nicht sagt, hey Welt, ich bin, was ich bin. Ich bin, was ich bin und was ich bin ist kein Geheimnis. Ich stehe für mich, wünsche mir nur ein wenig Fairness. Ein Leben kann man ohnehin nur einmal leben. Warum soll es für mich keine Chancen geben? Es hat keinen Sinn, bis man nicht My dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach, 